Life, and the life we give to others, is the greatest reward. Listen to our guests reward us with their life and life's journey, today on The Escavelio Show. We'll hit record already. Welcome back to another episode of The Escavelio Show. I'm your host, Ryan Michael Esquivel. I have today, you know, I have a really great guest. And I don't use that word lightly or often. But if you listen to the show regularly, I, I do call some people great. But thank you. Thank you for taking your time, whatever it is, to listen to the Escavelio show. Thank you. I'd like to start the show off of being humble. And just, you know, you, Escavelio Empire, make this the best podcast you are listening to right now. I have Kevin Eastman, the author of Don't Gamble with Life Improvement Until You Shift the Odds. And if you haven't read that book, it is a must for any man out there. You know, in life and times when you're just lost, you want somebody to give you a roadmap, a plan, some kind of direction. And the best thing you can do, I don't care if you're 10, 15, 20, a hundred years old, especially if you're hundred, you're not too old to learn. Go pick up this book right now. But when you are lost, the first place you need to turn to is that person right next to you. The first thing I learned in the military, success depends on that person right next to you. And I'm telling you, you know who's always been next to me every step of this entrepreneurial journey is my wife. I'm telling you. And sometimes in life and in marriage, the communication breaks down because we're not speaking the same language. And sometimes me as the podcast host, we're not speaking the same language as you as part of the Escavelio Empire. Now, I want everybody to welcome Kevin Eastman, Riverside County's own author and military veteran. Say hello to the Escavelio Empire there, Kevin. Hello, everybody. And uh, thank you, Ryan, for having me on. It's a pleasure. Me and Kevin became fast friends. I'm telling you, he's like the smartest <laughs> guy I know. You know, I've been talking to him the last hour, and his words of wisdom are timeless. You know, from his faith to the faith that just is awesome. Talking to Kevin is just an awesome experience. And if you get a chance to talk to Kevin on Facebook or where else are you on? Are you, are you on Twitter? Well, I do. Well, I actually I am on Twitter and I, I have Instagram as well. Oh, there you go. And not to get you off track, but I love Twitter. If you go there, I'm, I'm a little bit outspoken conservative. Nothing too crazy. But this is a family show. and We're going to keep everything, you know, rated G for good. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted I, I wanted Kevin and, and he's got a great book in which he's going to talk about it later. But I wanted Kevin to be on the podcast. For one, he volunteered because I, I put something out there about marriage because I think marriage is the, one of the most important contracts because there's a contract between two people, you know, be it before God or be it before each other. You know, there's got to be communication. The number one reason for people to get divorced is communication. The number two reason is money because you're not communicating on where the money's going. And number three, well, we're not going to talk about number three because this is a family show. But one and two, money and communication are kind of um, simpatico. There you go. 
But I'm telling you, but before we get into that, I want Kevin to tell us a little something about himself, like where he's from. You know, he's we know that uh, he's a military veteran, Air Force, I think. And yes. Just pick it up from there, Kevin. Well, uh, originally from Oakland, California, I uh, joined the Air Force when I was uh, 19 years old and spent 24 years on active duty. Uh, now I live in Southern California in Riverside County uh, now, and uh, I just uh, recently uh, finished grad school uh, through Azusa Pacific University. So I'm happy about that. Yay. And uh, I, in between all of that, I decided to write a book on uh, on on how to figure out uh, how how to improve uh, a person's life. And I go through a series of topics that I believe contribute most to the chaos in a lot of people's lives. And I base a lot of it on my own experience of what what life was beating me down. And I, I had to figure out what was going wrong. And it turned into a 250 page book. People go check out his book. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, it's gonna be awesome. I'm I'm gonna pick mine up here later on today. Um, but the Air Force. Why did you choose the Air Force? Not that we want to talk about military stuff too much, but <laughs> for some reason, I people who join the Air Force, and this is not the bag on anybody who joins doesn't join the Air Force. But I'm telling you, they are so smart, Escobar Empire. Let me tell you how smart the people in the Air Force are. They go to the government and they say, "Here's our budget." Okay. They take this budget. They built five-star hotels, really good restaurants. I'm telling you, it's people go cross-country to go to Air Force dining facility. That's a little bit of military jargon, but don't worry. Place to eat, place to shop. It's the <laughs> best. And then they'll go back. They'll spend all that money. Then they'll go back and to the government and say, hey, we're the Air Force. We need airplanes. We can't be an Air Force without airplanes. And the government says, you know something? You're right. So they give them a little bit more money. And let me tell you something, what they do with this money. Are you listening to Escovillo Empire? They take this money and they build the best gym. We're talking better than gold, <laughs> better than LA Fitness, you know, mineral spring water, smoothies. It's like the best. And then keep in mind, this is the third time. Third time they go back to the government and say, we ran out of money. We're the Air Force. We need more money. We need to buy airplanes. I'm telling you, these people are so smart. I mean, for so many reasons that they, they treat you like you have so much potential and then they give you the tools to tap into that p potential. But, you know, like anything, we're so young and we think that our choices are the best because we think, hey, we think we're invincible, you know, and, and we're just. And then life happens. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so what, what did you do in the Air Force? Well, uh, originally I came into the Air Force as a plumbing specialist, and that was not a good fit for me because I didn't like getting my hands dirty. Uh, ever since I was young, my mom told me I didn't like getting my hands dirty. I can do it, but I don't like doing it. So I came into the Air Force as a plumbing specialist, and as soon as I possibly could, I went to uh, become a drill instructor. I was doing that for three years. I uh, went back to plumbing for about two years, uh, spent a year in Korea, and then uh, an opportunity for recruiting opened up. And I spent the last 14 years of my career as a recruiter. So over the course of being a recruiter and being a drill instructor, I actually uh, had the chance and the opportunity to interact with literally thousands of people. So that was kind of my, my study 
my study pattern, if you will, and the premise for my book. Uh, a lot of a lot of different interactions with a lot of different people went into figuring out why my life was not going the way it was going. So in a sense, if you think about it, uh, writing my book was actually therapeutic for me because it ha- it helped me straighten out things that were going going wrong, if you will, in my own life. And I figured I could not be the only one that could benefit from the um, from the information I learned. And I decided to publish it. But to, to, to your other question, why I chose the Air Force, um, it, it's, it's going to sound bad, but I don't want it to uh, because I don't have anything against the other branches of service. But I had a mentality growing up that why work hard when you don't have to and get the same paycheck? So I, I always, always admired the Army, the Navy and the Marines and were and I was glad that they did their job and they were good at what they were doing, because as long as they were good at their job, I didn't have to be good at their job. I can be good at mine. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you talk to anybody who's, you know, the Army or the, the Marines, they're like, yeah, beans and bullets, beans and bullets. But trust me, you get tired of beans and you can only eat bullets for so long. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> now you, you said you were a recruiter now yes i've known some really good ones and some really bad ones you know as have course, i <laughs> and of course the bad ones are always looking for love in all the wrong places anyway but <laughs> we're a recruiter joke people don't worry don't, we're not, this is not a military show it's more of a self-improvement restoring faith and thank you for sharing now riverside county there's a pretty famous air force base out there March Air Force Base, um, I spent many days and many nights just thinking, you know, I wish I was somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) But then that warm California sunshine and that perfect sunset and you you just the magic happens of Southern California. It's it's a wonderful experience, people. If you ever get down there, go check it out. Temecula wine country riverside i'm telling you the best taco tuesdays you ever get to riverside the actual city of riverside kevin yes now i I don't know if you've been to i think it's um i want to say first and market near sort of i want to say the east end of town the east market now i think the, the the 15 or something there's a there's a there's a taco stand there and they serve the best taco tuesdays that it's just hugely famous you ever been down that way i've not been that i've not done that uh i can't say i have but i'm going to look for it now but i uh one of the things that has uh impressed me about the city of riverside is the festival of lights uh during christmas time at the mission inn it is just an amazing sight to see all of the uh decorations that they have for uh the christmas holiday you can go down there and see all of the 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 uh the the uh decorations and vendors and lights it's just lights upon lights upon lights it's just unbelievable and it 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 is a it's a sight to see i would highly recommend anybody going to uh the city riverside in in the, during the christmas holiday that they get to see the the festival of lights but i am going to check out the tacos though <laughs> go check them out and i know everybody's dying to know kevin being from southern california you ever get down to the beach and just you know, I don't know. I was never into surfing, but some people are. I mean, you never know. 
Well, I, I've seen a lot of people go surfing and all of that. I, I, I go to the beach just to hang out pretty much. Uh, I'm not much of a surfer, but uh, being in Southern California, you you have that beach like weather. You know, I, I, I kid my uh, friends that ha- that are in the Midwest uh, that I was putting up my Christmas lights in shorts, you know, so it, only in Southern California can you do that, you know, so it, it, it has its perks and advantages. Oh, absolutely. One of the advantages is you go 15 minutes any direction. Trust me, you're like in a whole different country. I'm, I'm just, it's a mind-boggling. Especially, Absolutely. Especially coming from Oakland. Trust me, that's like a 10-hour ride, people. I mean, yes. whoa, on a good day. Anybody who's been on that traffic <laughs> on the 91 will tell you what a good day is. Exactly. Interesting. I I used to live in Temecula and went to high school out there in, in Temecula Valley, class 97. And I never knew about the wine country and the, and the wine tasting and all the really cool things to do, like the Bloom Wine Festival. Much love out there. That's in California. But trust me, you can get caught up in the wrong relationships and the wrong situations that would just, you know, at the time, they, it just seems right. You know, it might be right now. <laughs> <laughs> but trust me i mean it's just um you know so we're um let's talk about your book for a few minutes where did you get the idea to write a book well the the book actually as i said earlier was based on a lot of um a lot of personal experiences that i've had in my interactions with people throughout the years uh be it professional or personal um i what it boiled down to was life was not going the way I wanted it to go. And I had to figure out why it was not going the way that I wanted it to go. And I was blaming everybody for my, my problems. And it took a wonderful mentor that I had. Unfortunately, he's passed away now, but uh, it took him sitting me down and in the air force, I was, I was grown. And he asked me one question that made me change the way I thought. He asked me, why do you insist on shortchanging yourself? And surprisingly, I had no answer to that question. And he said to me, I hear you blaming a lot of people for your misfortune, except where the blame needs to be. And his, his answer to that was, what part did you have in causing all of the things that you're blaming other people for? And that forced me to look at myself and and what role I played in that. And from that, it became a learning experience for me. And it turned into a 250 page book. And I, it, it, it was actually, like I said earlier, uh, therapeutic for me because as I was writing it, I was actually learning to put things together. And by the time I finished with the book, I had a new, a new lease on life, so to speak. Not to say that my life is perfect now, because it's not, obviously, but it made me understand and be able to put things together in a logical sense that made, made life more, more enjoyable for me. In the Escavelio Empire, enjoy life. I'm telling you, you only got one ride on this roller coaster called life. Enjoy it. I'm telling you. Absolutely. I, I, I kind of laugh when somebody tells me you only live once. I said, no, technically that's incorrect. You you on, you you live every day. You only die once. <laughs> well, if, if you break it down even more, I, I but if you break it down even more, I mean, just that idea that you only live once. It's, it's just kind of is nonsense, really, if you think about it. 
because even for yourself, who's been in the military, who's even Southern California, trust me, that's a whole life in itself. Uh, Absolutely. Of course you're married. Of course you're a veteran. And this, oh my gosh, just being a veteran. Whew. <laughs> <laughs> it's just mind boggling. I'm telling you. But I mean, I, I, I think to your point though, where you, you take ownership of the part that you played and of course what I play, of course I play the host, but I always take ownership for that. But at 25, we'll put this in a little context for the listeners, but at 25, you really, you know, you're invincible. Nothing hurts you. You know, you're, you're, you know, everything is just there, 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 there. And then when you get a taste of success, compared to the rest of the world, it might be, uh, I don't want to say mediocre, but, you know, somewhere in the middle of the road that it's not really challenging. Even because you sound like, somebody who has great potential, you've written a book, you're a veteran, you were in the military, and you had mentors. And of course, you only pick up like little, these little nuggets that you use to make your life better for that right now. But Absolutely. I, I, I want one, one section in the book, uh, actually chapter three is a section called the comfort zone. And what I do in that section is uh, kind of explain that a lot of people, they, uh, they, they get to a point of content, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but a lot of people mistake uh, content for success. And they they can be interchangeable, but sometimes they are quite different. And I think a lot of people get into the uh, situation where they live their life in contentment. And what I've done is content is not always a good thing because content becomes mundane in, in some cases. And you end up staying in a certain level and you're really not being fulfilled. And what I try to do is get the person, get the reader of my book to come out of the comfort zone. Uh, don't be, don't be satisfied with just being content. You always want something to shoot for. And that, that's what I try to do It's by changing your mindset is, is what my book is about. Uh, because your mindset dictates the magnitude of your reactions to a lot of situations. So if you, if you learn to, uh, get out of your comfort zone, it makes things a lot easier to progress because what happens with a lot of people is fear and ego keep them from stepping towards success. And what I try to do with my book is to show myself in that situation where I was it staying. I was I was content with staying right where I was, but I wasn't being fulfilled. And it wasn't until I learned to step out of the comfort zone that things started to change for me. Listen up, Escavelio Empire, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone, you're going to get hit. You're going to feel pain. You're going to feel uncomfortableness. You're going to get hurt. I'm, I'm going to put it pl very plain and simple. You know, you're going to learn from those scars if you haven't already learned. You know, but for my listeners, it's not so much them. It's the people in our lives because we want the best for somebody else. Maybe that younger brother, younger sister who's in a bad situation. And you know Kevin gets it. Ryan gets it. My Escavelio Empire gets it. But it's the people who are not reading your book that I want them to get it's the family members who are in that inner circle that, that demean the world to us. And if they can just see the way, but they can't people, they can't, even if you give them your eyes, your heart, your soul, they can't do it. It's like that Rocky movie, you know, you, they don't have the heart for it. They don't have the stomach for it, you know, and life is hard. It's tough. 
and trust me. Well, it's <laughs> it's interesting you would say that, you know, because th- there was there's a there's a section in if there's a saying that I have in the book uh, that I learned from a mentor myself. Uh, one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever learned was from this former supervisor. He said, um, you can find a million reasons not to do something, but you only need to find one reason to do it. And when he said that, it just hit me like a shot. And I remembered it to this day. It was like the day I heard it, I would never forget it. It's I hold it in high regard because it makes total sense. You know, you can find a million reasons not to do something, but you only have to find that one reason to go and do it. And that may be the thing that changes the entire course of your life. But until you get to that point of being able to say, yes, I can do this. You're, you're stuck in the place you're at. Oh, being stuck is terrible. I'm telling you, we're stuck here. We're stuck there. I'm stuck in the basement. And you're stuck in a bad marriage or a good marriage. You can still feel stuck and trapped. But I, I think you, you picked on something, picked up on something really interesting on in your in what you were saying. That, um, that people, you know, they, they, they tell you one thing and they, and they, and you're, and they, they make you stuck. But in, re- in reality, it's the opposite. You know, what I'm, I'm getting from you is that we choose to be stuck. And we don't know why because I, I guess everything's going good. There's no nuclear bomb that, you know, you've been through the earthquakes, you've been through this pain, you've been through that pain, and you think this is, uh, well, I mean, I'm not dying. I don't have cancer. So I should be happy by default. And I shouldn't want to make my marriage better. I shouldn't want to get, change that mindset, like you were saying, or want to make a million dollars or want to write a book, you know, you got well, you, you, you kind of have to, you kind of have to have that mentality because a lot of people, uh, they do get stuck, you know, and unfortunately, uh, stuck becomes a routine and then they, then it, they don't know how to get out of that. But I use a, an example, uh, in the book, I use a, uh, the, the invention of the light bulb and, and I, I, the way that I, I frame it, I know it's more complicated than I explain it in the book. But, you know, if you think about it in context, a person needed to uh, get see some have, they couldn't see at night. So they had to find something that allowed them to see at night uh, to get their work done. Uh, they didn't do the scientific stuff. So they went to Thomas Edison. And asked him, could they help him? Could they help them create something that allowed them to see at night? If Thomas Edison had said no. Just that quick, we don't have light bulbs. So it, it boils down to somebody has to say maybe. And that, that's the kind of way that I explain that scenario. Um, if you look at the, the throughout history, uh, Thomas Edison, I guess the story goes that it took him 2000 times to create a light bulb that worked, you know, and but something interesting happened on that 2000 and first time, you know, and we lived that you know, throughout our lives. Now you see lights everywhere, you know, and that came from somebody saying, not being, not being content with saying no, because I'm in my comfort zone and to saying maybe, and getting out of the comfort zone, doing something against the grain. And that's, that's what my book is about. It's about shifting the mindset. And that's, 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 those are what I call the odds. You shift your mindset and you can change the entire course of your life. People, people, I'm telling you, change course because you always, I always say hope is not a destination. It's the path that you are on because there's something inside of you saying, 
you're doing it wrong. You're doing <laughs> well, it, it wrong. You know, it, you, you know, you know, Ryan. It's interesting that you say hope. I, I, I hope I'm not going to contradict you a little bit, but I, I look oh, at it this way. I welcome. I, I tell people. I tell people if you if you have a goal, a goal without a plan to get there is called a hope. <laughs> <laughs> and and to me, hope is not a, a, a very reliable currency to bet on. <laughs> you know, you, you have to have a plan to get there to go along with the hope. You hope you do well, but you have to have a plan to get there, you know, and that that requires changing your mindset. You have to have a goal to put in mind, to put in place, to give you something to go for. And you have to have the willingness to do what is necessary to get to that goal. I'm telling you, people, goals, hope, I'm, just listen. Listen to Kevin. We're going to take a quick break. <laughs> Don't go nowhere. I'm telling you, Escavelio Empire, on the, as soon as we get back, we're, we're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk more about his book. We're going to talk, of course, your super secret bonus question. Don't go nowhere. Please, 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 please don't go nowhere. All right, we'll take a break. Be right back. You need seven habits, just seven. Listen to Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Available on audiobook. To receive your free copy, please visit ryanmichaelesquivel.com slash resources. All right, we're back with Kevin Eastman. We're going to aim high with Kevin. But before you go high, <laughs> you got to get the low. And with every low, you know, there's somebody that just picks you up. And your spouse is that person. Your significant other is that one person where you, if you have a bad day, life is terrible. I don't care how much money you make or you don't make, whatever. It, that one person is your cheerleader, is your support person, is your army or your air force, whatever. But it is your <laughs> savior, you know, in more ways than one. But sometimes you don't do it right. And you, in your second time around, you do it right. So I know Kevin's married and she's he's wonderful. He's married to a wonderful woman. There's always that story about how you first met. Tell us how you met your, uh, was it your second wife? Yes, it is. And uh, and realistically, my I actually went to high school with my now current wife. Uh, but it, I was uh, 15 years old back then, and she didn't associate with underclassmen, so she didn't give me the time of day. Uh, 15 years later, I met up with her and found out she was available. And it was like, oh, really? And uh, we've been married now 14 years. And I kid her now. Uh, it's like, well, the underclassmen got the woman anyway. So, <laughs> See, nice guys do finish first. <laughs> and in this case, I did. You know, she's a wonderful woman. Um, our, I've actually known her much longer. My, my, our families actually knew each other longer than we've known each other because her dad, and my grand, or, um, my dad and her grandfather were actually bowling club uh, members together. So I knew her grandfather. Didn't know it was her grandfather. Oh wow! Tell you. <laughs> So the the love of your life. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to. What what what's the lovely lady's name? Her name is Maya. Oh wow, French. I like it. Ooh la la. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm to put up with us veterans and military people. I'm sure she's a a wonderful woman, outstanding. A big salute to the, the spouses of the military and the veterans. I mean, 
I'm telling you, without your love and support, well, we'd still be veterans. But we're just, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> and she actually caught me on the tail end of my career. Um, she only had a chance to experience five years of my career in the military. She she missed the first 15. Mm -hmm. But uh, she has been wonderful with her support. Um, I know there's a lot of times when she wishes I was there and I couldn't be because of work details and all of those type of things. But she, we, we've got through it. And since I've been retired, you know, she's, she's still enjoying, you know, telling people that I was in the air force and things of that nature. Um, yeah, man. Got to talk some with the, the, the way they call it. They, with the, they used to call it the rotary club or, you know, they, when they go to the hair salon and, Oh, my man does that. Right. My man does that. My man. Huh. Well, my man's retired. Right. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I'm telling you, you know, anyone ask me the secret to my success is the my for, for once my wife who loves me, my children, and you know, segue back into marriage. But you know, marriage is that first meaningful contract, other than the military, of course. But is that meaningful contract where it puts you on that synergy with another person. And sometimes that communication with another person, and I'll tell a quick story here. About a year ago, when I first got into being a podcaster and I, having that dreaded talk about being an entrepreneur, do you want to be broke? No, that's not what I want. You know, do you want us to go hungry? And you know, for anybody who knows me, I, I work full time and it's no secret. I, I do have a day job, but um, we always had these talks. And I knew, I knew it that the the type of conversation where she says we need to talk, <laughs> Go, put that in those, you know, those those dreaded words. <laughs> we need to talk. <laughs> so imagine, imagine, and, it, and of course it was about money. Um, it's always about money. But what she was trying to say to me, she wasn't telling me to make more money. And in, in my mind, I was getting that information and trying to process that. And it, in, in my head, it says, make more money. You don't make enough. You don't do enough around here. You're not big enough. You're not, you know, hanging out with Donald Trump. You're only hanging out with Kevin. I mean, really, what more do you want from me, woman? I'm busting my butt. I'm in the commuting job. I'm doing this. I'm taking care of business. You're getting a regular paycheck. And this, of course, is going all in my mind. And it's something what you said before we talked to show, but that communication and it was just, it hit me when I start reading this book, uh, Men Are From Mars and Women From Venus, a classic. <laughs> Pick it up along with Kevin's book. But we're not talking to speaking the same language, even though we're speaking English. And I didn't get that. And, and I, we had been married, I think, 13 years. And I thought we had the greatest marriage. We, we have a good marriage. But, you know, I was thinking, she's at home. She's with the kids. What are you complaining about, really? Oh, it, it's interesting you would say that, you know, because in in in, in my book, uh, I have uh, the chapter I have a chapter in in my book on relationships. And it's actually the longest chapter in the book. Uh, it's about 40 pages long. Ooh. And what I what I tell people is, is get comfortable because you're going to see a lot of things in here uh, that you that may make you uncomfortable. And that's that's the whole part of learning. You know, you have to get uncomfortable in order to learn something different. Um, and one of the things that I, I always tell people is relationships 
at least from my experience, relationships are not easy, but they are not nearly as hard as we keep trying to make them. And I emphasize make them because what usually happens with a relationship is most relationships go south because of what a person creates in their own head rather than what actually occurs. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Um, just to, to follow up with that story. Um, so I didn't get it until I read that book or audiobook. I, I listened to it. I had this problem with imagination. I have zero imagination people. But I mean, so over the years, she was saying to me, you know, my growing up, we were poor and growing up, we really didn't have a whole lot. You know, we never had a house. And and anyway, over the years, over the course of 13 years, she was telling me this plain English. And of course, like a man, I was like, okay, you never had a house. I'm going to buy you a house. You never had money. I'm going to give you money. See, those immediate answers and what she was really saying is I don't want to be homeless. You know, I really don't care if we live in a mansion, if we live in a, 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 a one-bedroom home, as long as we're together. And I started understanding what she was actually saying, that, you know, the way I'm, the choices I'm making are making her feel like that scared child that's going to lose her house, that's going to miss her family, that's going to make her poor again. And what And she was telling me that, I don't care how much money you make. The fact that you have money in the bank is what's important to me. And and she was speaking a different language than oh, you yeah. were looking at. Yeah, and that 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 just goes into uh, what I say in my book. Um, the one thing that a lot of people need to understand is men and women communicate differently. Mm-hmm. We have different communication methods, and the 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 impasse comes when we don't take the time to understand the communication methods of the other. So we we judge the person based on our own standards and you can't do that. It's unfair to them and you. And I try to uh, go through uh, my relationship chapter and I break it down into uh, what men do to uh, damage a relationship and what women can do that damages a relationship. And in the end, I try to get you know, some kind of sense of normalcy to put things together because we don't understand the one we, well, I won't say we don't, we don't want to understand the, the, uh, the, the, the communication methods of the other. And I, I put it in plain English because we do things a lot differently. And if we would, what you said with your, um, with your scenario with you and your wife, you were concentrating on what she wanted a house. You weren't concentrating on the why, why she wanted the house. And that's where the breakdown in communication happened. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was a total breakdown. Okay. I'm <laughs> telling you, total breakdown. But I had to be, like you said, to change that mindset, though. And, you know, I was at almost 40, and that mindset at 40 is not the same mindset at at 25. You know, pushing 40, you, you start getting these thoughts like, is this all life is meant to be? Is this all I'm my purpose in life was just to go to war, just to be a husband? You know, and those are pretty good purposes, of course. But there's something inside of you and me that, that just it, it drives us like a fire and stuff like that. And it might be a little small at, at 40, but I mean, it's it's just burning that, you know, we want to be a good, a better provider. We want to be a better communicator. We want to be everything, but we can't. And that's okay. 
that's that's I'm totally fine with not being everything to everybody. <laughs> Well, here's here's well, here's the thing. You you have to take in the and I try to put things as simply as I can in my book. And 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 earlier in the book, before I got to the the chapter in relationships, I made notice because a lot of people they many people like doing more talking than they do listening. And something that I was taught growing up is you were born with two ears and one mouth for a reason. If you listen twice as much as you speak, you will learn a lot more. <laughs> Especially when she's talking. <laughs> well, of course, you know, but, you know, it's it's just one of those things. Uh, we don't do enough listening. We we and and one of the things that I try to um, I try to try to curb is my my desire to listen to respond instead of listening to understand. And and if we listen to understand, we will learn a lot more instead of taking that portion of the conversation that triggers our response and we run with it because a lot of people do that. You know, I got what you're saying, that triggers my response, so that's what I'm going for. But if you had taken the time to listen to my entire statement, it may have changed the direction you went with your reaction. Of course, and if you, I mean, People, it's it's just the plain as the nose on my face. I'm telling you, I get, and I got a good looking nose. The what? <laughs> they're not looking for an answer. They're looking for somebody to listen. Kevin hit it right on the nose or my nose. <laughs> well, you you know you, I, I have to laugh at that because I and and it's a portion in my book and and I try to tell women if you want a man to listen or if you just want to complain. You need to let us know that right up front because men are problem solvers. If you come to us with a problem, we're trying to solve it instantly. We want it to go away so it's not a problem anymore. But sometimes our our solution to it is not really what you want. You just want it to vent. And if you're okay with that, you can let us know, hey, I just want you to listen and then we will listen. It's easy. A lot of a lot of relationships, a lot of times women seem to think that men are more complicated than we really are. And I try to explain in my book that men are not as complicated as women think we are. We're very simple. If we have a problem, we want to solve it. That's just the way we're, we're that's the way the male mind works. We don't like it lingering, but unfortunately, there are times when women just want us to listen. And if you say, I just want you to listen, I'm just going to complain, we'll sit back. But then you you throw the curveball at us. And after you're done, after we're done listening, we hear, so what do you think? Well, now you want me to fix the problem now. (laughs) Don't do it. I'm telling you, don't do it. It's very good. Interesting. Oh, let's sleep on it. And then we'll (laughs) Oh, forget about it. I'm telling you. Oh, wow. I'm telling you. So much wisdom right here on this podcast and every other episode of the Escavelio Show. Thank you, Escavelio Empire. Coming up, our last two questions. Don't worry. We're going to them right now. The last or the second to last question. Well, I guess, you know, more of a... So take us to the lowest point in your marriage. And how did you guys overcome that? 
Wow. Okay. That was, that was putting me on the spot. Um, I, I think what, what, what happened, you know, we had, we, we went through challenges just like every other couple. Um, but at the lowest, without getting into details, we were just not, you know, everything was, was being blown out of proportion, you know, and the only way that you can fix that is through communication. You have to allow the person to, uh, tell you how they're feeling and you have to be able to listen to what they're saying. And at the same time, when you're done talking, you have to give that person a chance to respond. Um, a lot of times we just want to talk and talk and talk because it makes us feel it makes us feel good that we're getting our information out, but we're not taking as much back in that can change the course of the way things go. Uh, one of the things I put in the book, as you, if you think about uh, the people that have been married for years and then decades, you know, do they have a secret formula? Well, in a sense, yes, they do. Uh, they figured out that being in a relationship, getting into a relationship is the easy part, but staying in a relationship is a daily task. And a lot of people are shocked when I say that. But Stay, deciding to stay in a relationship is a decision you have to make every single day. Now, as you become more satisfied with your partner, that decision is easier to make. You know, for me now, it's it's just waking up and, you know, opening my eyes and saying, hey, OK, I want to stay. But a lot of people need to get into the habit of maintaining a relationship as a daily task that you have to ask yourself. You wake up and say, is this this where I want to be? Yes. And then you have to have the self-discipline to to enforce your decision, whatever that is. And that's where the conflict comes in, where a lot of people have the uh, the the um, the difficulty because they they say they want one thing, but they're not doing what they say, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes total sense. And on the on the other end of that, on the other end, then that They'll say what they want, but they don't want to put the work in to get to where you want the relationship to go. Or they exactly. won't say it plainly. Look, I want a, a Mustang. Why do you want a Mustang? Well, my grandfather had a Mustang. I was really close to my grandfather. Oh, I can understand that. Or, you know, why do you want a Corvette? I'm 50-something years old. I got to look attractive. <laughs> I got to feel attractive. <laughs> I, I, I'm having a midlife crisis if I'm getting a Corvette at 50, but there's nothing wrong with that. If you can afford it, by all means, knock yourself out. Well, I think you said <laughs> something really, really interesting when you said those that why behind, why do you want the Corvette? Well, I'm not feeling attractive. I'm feeling overweight. And and of mm -hmm. course, you're, feel, you're thinking the same thing. You know, I'm feeling unattractive. I'm feeling overweight. Things are slowing down <laughs> and they're not picking up anytime soon. You know what I mean? But- Right. But um, those basic feelings like I'm afraid, I want to be loved, I need to give love. I don't know how, you know, I know how at certain times to give love. And it's really interesting, but I never pick on up in those skills. And that was kind of like the, the, the premise of the question to, to give you some skills to get past those storms, to get past those wars. And trust me, if you've been married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We absolutely war. and and Ryan and Ryan, I'll point something out that you said, and, and I pointed it out earlier about my book. All of those things I want to be. I don't feel attractive. I want to feel loved. I I I I. 
all of those things are created in a person's head. Nobody put it there. So what I try to do with my book is show the reader that most of the time, the obstacle, the only obstacle you need to overcome is the one you put there. 100% agreed. I'm telling you, I, I have <laughs> never agreed with a, a man more. And I'm not, I'm not, that's not like your spouse, but I have never agreed with a man more and don't go marry him anyway, but I have never agreed. And I got so much respect and love for Kevin. It's just amazing. I, and I, and I never want to put you on the spot. And I'm, I, I truly, truly, truly sorry if you felt like that. Um, but oh, no, it was yeah. fine. And, and 14 years, 14 years as an air force recruiter, you get trained to you tackle the questions as they come at you. <laughs> you know, of course, but you know, in any relationship, there, you know, there's certain things that break and it just ends the relationship. But I, you know, to put back a relationship that says a lot about your character, and a lot about the person and the author that created your book. And it's just people. You put the work in, you water the grass, and you put the love. And trust me, there's going to be a wonderful garden at 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 years old. You just got to put the work in. I'm telling you. Yes. And, and, and one of the things that I, I try to, um, there's one, one saying that I say in the book a couple of times, and I try to uh, emphasize it a little bit with a lot of people. A lot of people, what they do is they bring their past relationships into the current one. And it's not intentional. They, they don't have anything because I, I don't think that any person enters in a relationship anticipating it ending. But what usually happens is what I call a person will hold their future hostage based on their current actions and behaviors that they've based on bad past experiences. And you have to try to curb that and know that you're doing those things because you will, you sometimes end up making the current person pay for a mistake that they had no, no, uh, there's no part in, in, in causing because another person did it before. It, it's, it's, and it, I try to go through that through uh, uh, very thoroughly in the book because a lot of times people do that. I did it, and a lot of other people that have had failed relationships, it was because of something we created in our head based on a past bad experience. Experience, people. Good, bad. It's still an experience. Learn from it. And that's a great segue into the last bonus question. Now, I, it's not, I call it a secret, but I, I did let Kevin know about the, the last question. And the last question, because I, I really connect with Kevin. I, you know, he's a wonderful person, great thinker, a great author. Go check out his book. Now, the last bonus question, and you heard it in the last podcast. You know, there's two types of people. There's the people. There's one person who believes in God's plan, and, and, and you know, for everybody who doesn't listen to regularly, I'm a firm believer in God. That if it's God's plan, things are going to work out. But there's another type of person where they go into their own choices and they say, this is the result of my choice. This is my free will to choose the right, the right thing. And if somebody has a problem with that, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it in the end. But this is my choice and these are the consequences of my choice. I'm taking ownership of my actions, you know, and both are very noble and according to the plan. But you, when you look back on the book of your life, and when that book is closed, they can pick up a chapter, learn from your lessons. You know, Kevin, you know, as the person you are, do you believe 
that things are just meant to be part of God's plan or that these are the results of your own actions, your free will. Go ahead. Well, believe, believe it or not, I, I think it's a combination of both. I, I, I am a firm believer in uh, things happen for a reason. Uh, everything that we go through is designed to make us grow in one direction or another. Uh, the problem, the, the problems that a lot of people have are if we can accept the reason for that thing or that situation happening or not. So I do believe that we, we have a plan that that is destined for us. But in, in addition to that, I believe that God gave us a um, they, he gave us free will. You know, he, he, there is a plan for us, but we have to choose to go on that path. Now we're not going to be told if we're going on the right path or not, but, but I think that, um, because we do have freedom of choice and, and God does not interfere with that. You know, they, he's saying, this is what I have for you. You know, I have glory on the other end for you. It's up to you to get there. You know, so I think it's a combination of both, really. I, I think that we we do have uh, a path that we we need to be on, but we also have the the wherewithal to choose whether we want to go down that path or not. Choose, people, get on that roller coaster of life. It's your choice. That's Kevin Eastman's words of wisdom. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. Uh, tell everybody how they can get a hold of you. And of course, pick up your book. Don't gamble. <laughs> well, my, don't don't gamble on life improvement until you shift the odds is the name of the book. It is available on Amazon uh, or you can get it directly from my website, www.kevineeastman.com. Uh, I am on Facebook. You can look me up as author Kevin E. Eastman. Uh, I am on Facebook uh, under my name, Kevin Eastman. You can find me, but uh, you have to look real close because there are several Kevin Eastmans. Uh, believe it or not, there is a basketball coach named Kevin Eastman, and there is uh, the the creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is also named Kevin Eastman. So you have to look for the author, Kevin Eastman. And I would love to hear from readers and supporters. Uh, I like talking to people and meeting people, and and it feels good when a person tells me, my words have helped them make a positive impact on their lives. That's, 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 I think that's my purpose that I was created for to help people make sense of chaos. And that's what I enjoy doing. Oh, live your purpose, people live your purpose. And when you're lost, you know, the best thing you could do is go pick up Kevin's book. Um, Amazon. You can't beat Amazon. Go check it out. Thank you, Kevin. You know, I had a really good conversation with you, and I had a really good time, of course. You know, I hope. Oh, I, hope I appreciate Eric, it. You know, you come back on, you know, and of course, you know, I always say this to every, every one of my guests I'm the same, same person I am on the mic that I am off the mic. If I say that I'm going to do something for free, of course, I'm going to do it because I can. <laughs> That's it. That's <laughs> my simple pledge. And of course, you always will be a part of the Escavelio Empire because I am the Escavelio Empire. Trust me, people. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, like I said, go check out his book. You know, great author, Words of Wisdom. What are you waiting for? Go buy it. <laughs> thank you, everybody. I appreciate your time. I'd like to thank this week's very special guest for joining us. Thank you. Hope everything goes well this week. Hope everything goes well for you this week. Remember three things. Be good to yourself. Love yourself. 
And after you get done loving yourself, go over and check out the website, ryanmichaelescavel.com. Have a great week.